Do you hold the belief that the human body carries our stories, emotions, and traumas, and that it has the ability to heal itself? Are you interested in deepening your understanding of your whole self? Are you excited by the idea of engaging in a living dialogue with a sense of wonder and curiosity? Welcome to Anecdotal Anatomy, Science and Stories, a series of casual conversations about what it is to live in a body. Expect tons of stories and the occasional science lesson. Even science can be told as a story. I'm Sherry Sadoff-Hank. And I am Teresa Tobin Macy. We are your hosts for Anecdotal Anatomy. How are you today? I am well, Sherry. How are you today? I am doing just fine. Life is good. It's a beautiful day. The sun is, is the sun shining? I don't know. I'm in t- inside my, my closet studio. <laughs> You're in your closet. I am by the window. It's a little bit cloudy out today, but it's a beautiful day. Kind of cold. I went for a walk with Siva this morning and there was frost on the tops of all of the grass. Let me tell you about it. We had a stroll, the same stroll we had on our photo shoot. We walked through the farm. Um, We went all the way through the nature trail, through the woods, which was, oh, it was so beautiful. Um, We stopped by and said hello to Luna and Belle, the goats. Uh, Siva loves the animals. You know, you've met Siva. Anybody who's met Siva knows that she is exuberantly happy to see any being that there is out there, human, bug, horse, goat. She doesn't (laughs) care what it is. She just wants to go and make sure that she can run around and play with them. Whether she's allowed to or not is irrelevant to her. (laughs) Oh, that's great. What a wonderful way to start the day, connecting with nature, being outside, feeling the the breeze, the coolness. I mean, it's solstice today. It's winter solstice. Um, I don't know, you guys might be listening at a totally different time and it could be 10 years from now. But today, this recording is on winter solstice, December 21st, 2021, um, and all the energy that that brings. We went also went out for a walk last night and saw the full moon, like the night before the solstice. It was so bright. And the shadows... And the way things appear on the farm and with the Cluckingham Palace where all the chickens live is lit up and you see all of their shadows behind the greenhouse. But the moon was big and bright. And I know Siva could feel that energy because she was a little like, ah, up in the air. Let's get outside and play last night. But um, I hope that uh, we get rid of some of these clouds and maybe can spend a little bit of time with tonight's full moon on the shortest night of the season of the year. Longest night of the year. Shortest oh, sorry, the longest night of the year, shortest day of the year. Oh, darkness. Knox and my solstice mixed up. <laughs> it's easy to do. It's easy to do. Mm-hmm. Yes. So we're here today. We're talking about we're on the fourth sheath. Can you believe that we've gotten to the fourth episode? Talking about these layers. What's yeah. I it's funny if you go on to um to Google and you ask, you know, how to pronounce certain things, because Sanskrit is, is a fairly specific language. It's a vibrational language. And so there is a correct way of, of speaking this language. I have the alphabet in my office, that a piece of art that my Sanskrit teachers had created, and it's framed, it's beautiful. And there's just like the alphabet that we would sing, you know, A, B, C, D, E, F, G. They have um, A, A, I, 
e, ooh, ooh, like there's a whole sort of song that goes with the language. And that said, I mean, I still feel like I, I butcher it. And, you know, I, I do not claim to, to know the proper ways of saying all the Sanskrit words. But um, this one, I just went back. Is it Vijnanamaya? Is it Vignanamaya? Like, how do we, you know? And um, so I went on Google. You can tell the ones that are just are mechanical, like, Vignanamaya Kosha. You know, and <laughs> like, wait a minute. I, I didn't even hear what you said, but it, it feels more like a hard G than a soft Z, just to kind of throw it out there. And you've always known that. I, I go back and forth because I've had different, different um, teachers in my ears and, you know. Well, I love when you sing, and I'm hoping that at some point in time we can sing the whole alphabet. So I know it as well as A, B, C, D, E, F, G. It takes practice, though. I totally forget it. That's why I was like, is it a, a, e, ooh, ooh, or a, a, e, e, ooh, ooh, or how do I, ooh. We can practice. Um, I say Vigyana Maya Kosha, but again, I know that there's probably more Sanskrit words that I mispronounce than those that I pronounce correctly. But I did have Joseph LePage as one of my teachers, and he is a Sanskrit master. You know, you talk about coming to science class and being a little unenthused when you were in our teacher training. Well, that's kind of how I felt with Sanskrit. It was like, oh, and I think it was at like nine o'clock in the morning. And for some people that's late, but for me, I had in my real life, that's coffee time in bed. <laughs> so <laughs> I think I showed up, sorry, um, to my teacher, sometimes a little unenthused, but I did still acquire some knowledge, right? Vigyana Maya Kosha, I acquired some knowledge of the Sanskrit language. Um, and and that that'll be enough for today. That'll that's enough, enough, right? This conversation, <laughs> casual conversations. <laughs> yeah, so casual conversations about executive functioning. That's kind of a juxtaposition, right? To casually talk about executive functionings. But when I heard the uh, this definition of Vigyana Maya Kosha, it kind of really like woke up my left brain. We were going to talk like executive linear kinds of <laughs> things. Ooh, how exciting. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, then I got my woo-woo on and kind of found some balance between, okay, this isn't going to be a spreadsheet. So <laughs> calm down, Teresa. Um, but executive <laughs> functioning, this, this ability to acquire our wisdom, I think is, you know, this understanding that we, throughout our experiences, by fully present and sometimes by not being present at all through the experiences of our life, we start to gain understandings. And sometimes they turn into patterns. And I'll talk about that maybe a little bit later in our discussion. But, you know, this intuition or intelligence that we gain through not only experience, but I think experience when it's coupled with self-observation, building self-awareness that this, this executive functioning rises from within and when we take the time to sit back and self-reflect and maybe meditation is the way or mindfulness, whatever that step in, you know, self-reflection can happen if you're a runner and you just kind of like get into that groove, right? So we can open the way that we find these. If you're a chef and you just lose yourself in cooking, 
you can also have that same mindful experience of single points of focus. So I think Vigyana Maya Kosha, if I was going to break it down, was um, building this acquired knowledge and intuition, executively being able to discern, to look at, but also to notice our conditioned responses. That I think is like kind of the the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, right? We do the work, the rainbow of work, and then we find that pot of gold. And that is, I notice my own conditioned response. And from there, I can move forward um, in a more mindful way. It's so poetic. It's a poetic definition of Vignanamaya Kosha. If, if someone's listening and they just need a couple of buzz words to get into the world of this Kosha, um, the words that come up are um, wisdom, intuition, that intuitiveness that we have. And in some of the research, you know, they use also mental and thoughts, the same language that would be used in Manamaya Kosha. The difference is, as you move into Vignanamaya Kosha, it's more of a higher knowledge, higher thoughts, still a bit impermanent. You know, we're not going to touch our truest self in any one of these, I don't want to say superficial koshas, but it's all of the koshas that do not, are not the bliss kosha, which is next week. It's the next, next episode is the, the bliss one. But that's when everything comes into balance and we can really um, sit with our true selves. This, we may get a glimpse of true self, but it's fleeting and it's, it's impermanent. And so the witness piece that you talked about becomes an important function in the acquiring of this wisdom, of this knowledge. Because as we move through our lives, you know, we look back often and we, we talk about, you know, the different things that we've learned and, the, but we don't, they, these situations will keep coming up until we learn them. And then we learn them and they still keep coming up. So we see that there are times we'll fall off the path or just kind of veer from that, that wisdom, that knowledge, even though we still know it, we can still be, you know, sort of um, vulnerable to circumstances that trigger us, that take us out of that wisdom, but doesn't mean the wisdom is gone. It's just maybe for the moment being ignored <laughs> or dismissed. Or it turned into that rolly ball that we see on our Macs, right? The, the information is there, but it's still trying to integrate and be processed. So yeah, we fall off that path and spin for just a little bit. Yeah. I was reading today and doing a little preparation for the past few days for actually what I wanted to talk about today. And from, a, I found this quote, I'm going to quote and read specifically what was in Psychology Today, which was posted on May 11th in 2021. And I love it because I was reminded of our photo shoot in my walk with Siva. And it's the only time since I've been here on the farm and the rare occasions that I've ever seen a snake. I don't see snakes a lot. Other animals I can tell you that I visit daily or see on a regular basis. So if you think of symbolism of animals, which I often do, so that's a little bit of my woo-woo, I see animals. And then I'm like, I wonder what that animal symbolism means. <laughs> so in the walk with Siva, I re remembered that I saw a snake. And I looked up the snake story and I'm quoting, in myth, snakes are often connected to seers or oracles. Snake venom is both a deadly poison and an antidote. And the rod represents control over this duality. Snakes are close to the ground 
and shed their skins, making their symbols of the underworld, rebirth and immortality, and by extension, wisdom. And Whoa. You know, I mean, could anything be more appropriate to the world you're living in right now? Right? So, uh, ah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And, you know, I've talked about FU decks. Everybody has talked, heard. And, you know, I think the, um, I think the teasers that are going out that you've already seen for episode three, right? They showed what my skin looked like. I know that we were, you were in your closet and I was in the throes of FU deck. So very, very red. Everybody saw that. For those of you who haven't seen the teaser, go look at the teasers mm -hmm. for, um, that are out there so you can see Teresa's skin. And for those of you who may not have listened to the previous episode, <laughs> FU Dex is the, the, the healing lotion that burns her skin off right now. So there's, you know, talk about uh, some kind of delicate balance of wisdom there. You know, it's, you know, we burn the fields for new growth. You know, we you're peeling your skin off and this new growth this and you're a yin practitioner and, and a self-identified yin energy person. And that's low to the ground. That's, you know, at least because I did get my yin training from you. <laughs> One of the descriptions was, you know, sort of low to the ground. Low to the ground, connected to the earth. So I should probably look for more snakes in my life. But I did really connect to the metaphor of this acquired wisdom. Over the past three, four weeks, my skin has gotten redder and peeled and flaked off layer by layer, like peeling back this onion of whatever might be trapped in there. So I'm looking at this nice pink glow that I have today. I'm on the other side of it. They promised I would look like 10 or 15 years younger by the time of this all healed with all this brand new skin. So I can't wait to see what that is like. But also this symbol that we were starting the podcast, we were doing the photographing, we spent the day together in planning and visual preparation. And the symbol is rebirth, creation, immortality, and wisdom. So that's my little snake story for today. And I really related to that snake all of a sudden, although snakes really kind of make me a little nervous. <laughs> me too. Me too. So my stories for Vignana Mayakosha, you know, we talked about the witness, you know, that aspect of this sheath being able to self-study, to see things as they are in that sense. And we've also talked about patterns and interrupting patterns and this acquired wisdom. And I have two, two stories. I can never just do one. Fuck. Got two for you today. Um, the first one, I'll go all the way back almost 19 years ago. I was pregnant with my first child and I just told my family and my sister-in-law who was so excited and she goes in to tell me these, some really funny aspects of her birthing experiences, but basically that they were natural childbirth. And as I'm listening to her talk about her experience, I have an experience. I have an Anamaya experience in my body. And that is that it's like a snow white thing that, you know, she's out there pushing and I know that it's hard and she's hurting, but I just imagine the woodland creatures padding up to the window and putting their little noses up against the glass and looking in. And I just had this fairy tale reaction to the experience she shared. I planted that seed that day that I wanted that, 
that was what I wanted my birthing experience to look and feel like the one that was in my imagination. So, you know, I go through my pregnancy and at about 38 weeks, we discover that the baby is, is breech. She's um, not so much that she's turned completely around, but I didn't know at the time was that her butt was kind of lodged in my pelvis and her feet were up. So she looked like she was almost in boat pose, if you know, <laughs> the yoga pose, Navasana. So, you know, we go through all the things. We did our woo-woo. We did moxibustion, which was a cool, like, acupuncture thing, but it, it was uh, uh, some kind of, like, leafy thing that we had to burn. Brian had to burn the outside of my pinky toe, and it had been known to help reverse the breach. Didn't help. So we went to conventional medicine, and um, I had what they called aversion, where they tried to turn the baby. The nurse says to me, we're going to give you some medication that's going to relax your uterus, but it's going to make you feel like you've had 30 cups of coffee. How the fuck is that fair? Like at 38 weeks, give me something that's going to take the edge off. Are you kidding me? So here I am, you know, and it is, I am jittery. I'm like, oh, you can hear I talk fast to begin with. Forget about it. I'm like, oh my God. And they're turning every time the doctor would get the baby to about 15 minutes. If you're looking at a clock, that kind of quarter hour, she would spring back up. So he did this several times before he was like, yeah, it's not going to happen. So I had a, a moment where I had to make a choice. You know, do I go through this fantasy natural childbirth with the possibility that my baby won't get enough oxygen? Um, am I willing to take that risk so that I can have the experience that I want? Fuck no. I signed up for that C-section so fast. You, I mean, it was like immediately that was one where I, I, I learned, I acquired a bit of wisdom about myself in that moment that whatever my thoughts or feelings or desires were came in second to the acute situation was healthy baby, healthy mom. And so there was a certain ability to switch gears in that moment, which I found was part of my acquired wisdom to that moment. Similarly, fast forward, this was almost 19 years ago. I'm 53 now, about a year or so ago. It's a long story. I'm not going to get into uh, my blood pressure, which had always been moderate to low. And all of a sudden, menopause, uh, every, my parents are gone, like all the stresses. I have high blood pressure now. And I had been feeling a tightness on my chest and I had gone to get it checked out and the yada, yada, yada. Um, I'm in the cardiologist's office. I can't get through a day without a good Seinfeld re reference. And if you don't know the yada, 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 go, go Google it. Um, around, we'll hear yada, yada, yada again, because we like that phrase. Yada, yada, yada. So I'm in the cardiologist's office and I do, I did the nuclear stress test. I did all of the, you know, all the things where they had to put things on me. I did all the shit. Um, they couldn't find, I got an A plus, they couldn't find a root cause, but the doctor comes in. My blood pressure is consistently high, both, both the dystolic and the systolic, the both numbers. So the doctor says to me, <laughs> I know as a yoga teacher, well, all of a sudden I'm like, please don't put me in a box, but as a yoga teacher, you're not going to want to hear this. And before he could finish his sentence, I said, stop right there. I said, for a moment, you can put, if I can put my belief systems to the side, you can too. Please put my belief systems to the side and let's deal with the acute situation. What do I need to do? Because I don't want the things that result from high blood pressure. I'm not willing to rely on my belief systems as a way of healing when I know that science can help me in this situation. However, you want to extrapolate that during pandemic times, that's for you to decide. 
but I was in the position where I felt that I could trust science more than I could trust my belief systems, which I, I don't really know where they come from. You know, they are, they are an illusion, but they are the, they are my, everything that comes after my because, <laughs> you know, they are the stories that I tell myself. So I'm aware of that. And it doesn't mean I don't believe what I believe or have strong feelings about it, but there's an acquired wisdom that knows in that moment, what really needs to happen. You know, I'm, I, so I'm on this very low dose high uh, blood pressure medication, and it's been helping. And you know, that's that's my story around the this vignanamaya. It's they're very real world situations that we find ourselves in. These layers, these episodes that we're doing, are not all pie in the sky, like just these esoteric concepts that we need to somehow philosophically come to some understanding. They ha there is that, but there is also the very real world application of these layers that create our complete and total beingness. And so I'm going to leave it there. <laughs> it sounds like, a I mean, it, it's, a, it's a journey of balance that we can have beliefs on in, in many different ways and look at all these situations through a variety of lenses. And then, you know, you have your physicians in both both circumstances as guides. In and that here's the other thing. I practice yoga every day. I meditate every morning. Well, okay, every day, maybe one or two days a week, I, I fall off the, the path. But I'm very consistent yoga, very consistent meditating. You know, I am active. I, you know, I'm a vegan. I, I eat well for the most part. You know, I, Oreos are vegan. We know this. And there's Ben and Jerry's has come out with some great vegan ice creams. But wait, I, wait, wait, we have to go back. There's <laughs> really? we have to go back to Ben and Jerry. Sorry, ice cream. We're now, so there's wisdom there. right here. You're right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So all of this is to say that I'm doing the things that a lot, the lifestyle things that should promote moderate blood pressure. You know, I don't know how much of this is genetic. I don't know how much of this is stresses that I'm I'm not seeing or I'm ignoring. I mean, there's still a lot of work to be done. And while I'm doing that work, I get to mitigate the risks by taking this medication, which, you know, if I lose a few pounds, if I do whatever, I might be able to come off of it. But right now, this is the the wiser choice for me in this moment. I can relate, you know. Effudex taught me much of the same thing, <laughs> right? I tried my, all of my practices and my stretching, you know, all kinds of different things, all alternatives. Do you know, there was even a time where um, I was reading that broccoli was really healing for different types of basal cell cancer and squamous cell that were on the skin and what they asked you to do. So this is how willing I was to get woo-woo, even though I'm very sciencey was to smush up the broccoli into a paste and actually apply it to this area of the body. People swore that they were getting results. It was not something that Teresa, the, uh, come on, really, the non-woo-woo, okay, this is clearly not going to work person. Anecdotal. It was very anecdotal, all of these stories. So, hey, I live kind of in an anecdotal profession. And so, yes. I did actually put broccoli on my head for days. It was a lot, it, you know, in comparison to Effudex, it was a lot more desirable <laughs> to smell like broccoli for a half hour before I took my shower in the morning. <laughs> <laughs>
but I don't know which one of them is going to work better and which one won't, you know, it's all a journey. <laughs> sure is. <laughs> Tell us your Vignanamaya Kosha story, darling. <laughs> or you did. You told us this. You told us the story that you wanted to tell. Yeah, I told you the snake story. The you know, really, the story is the comparison of you know, going through this journey and talking about the koshas, being in you know, everybody is in this constant state of life change and navigating through different things. We can all pick whatever that is. Currently, that is the journey of my skin and life events. But for all of us, as we're going through it, it's the journey of this self-discovery and the snake, the metaphor of many of the things that I like, sitting low to the ground, being yin, as you pointed out, but really that this shedding, I think that's the wisdom. The wisdom is shedding of the patterns. It's letting these patterns that we recognize. And I think we're going to be in the journey of recognizing our patterns for the rest of our life because we're constantly oh, yeah. creating and constantly no noticing. But when a pattern comes up and you notice that you're very reactive to it, that, you know, this isn't something, maybe something comes up and we look at it and we go, I don't even believe that thing anymore, but yet I'm still reacting to it. And it takes time to discover, you know, that's why they're patterns. It takes time to discover, but I've discovered that I'm in obviously a pattern of peeling back layers and some sort of a rebirth, or at least, you know, a different way that I'm going to look if they're keep promising me 20 <laughs> 10 to 20 years younger, which is not any way of promotion for doing this just as a, you know, visual experience. I think it's the silver lining that uh, we're looking for. When the snake sheds its skin, we emerge restored, renewed, and with at least a tiny bit more wisdom. So I think that's the end of my story right there. Oh, that's great. Because what we're trying to do here is not just, you know, tell you our bio biographies, you know, here's something I did when, and this is what happened to me, but to be able to make these connections from our personal experiences to the universal, you know, who is responding, who is reacting, you know, and you were talking about, you know, we still sometimes will be recognizing these patterns for a long time. And, you know, going from the personal to the universal, the personal for me is, you know, years and years, decades of practice, you know, sort of have this feeling, this knowledge that I have achieved a certain level of understanding about myself and how I respond to certain situations. And then enter someone you haven't seen in a while, someone I haven't heard from in a while. I'm not going to get specific, but this was several years ago. I thought I was like, you know, back in this place, not back, but in this place of, you know, of of stability, of equanimity, of ability to discern the moment and respond rather than react. And this person who I have a you know long history with, I had a moment where I was like, fuck. And we hung up on each other. We kept going back and forth and hanging up on each other. And then finally I texted this person and I said, thank you for reminding me how much more I still have to learn and how much more I still have to practice. It's really never done. And I know we wanna get into some practices here. So that things that might might help you, you know, or help all of us to, you know, tap into those universal pieces of our own personal stories. So as I take you through this little practice that I have prepared, you know, know that you can take the seat now. We can go through the instruction. 
And you can always come back and spend more time doing this. And I think that's the key is consistency and time. You know, take the time to do the work. We've gone through now, this is our fourth kosha, our fourth layer. We went through the body, we went through the vital energy, and we went through the mind. And now we're in a higher mind, a higher, almost that intuitive mind. If you have psychic abilities, if you have, you know, really sensitive intuitions, you know, those types of things all fit into this sheath. So I'm going to ask you to take a seat. And when we ask you to take a seat for any of these practices, if you're sitting in a chair to make sure that both feet are firmly planted on the ground. And if you're sitting on the ground, just make sure your spine is long. And in both cases, or in all cases, allow the tailbone to feel heavy. Have that be your anchor as energy you may feel ripple up the spine. You may feel a certain elongation as you press down to rise up allowing the crown of the head to gently tug as if you have a silver or golden thread, just gently lifting you up toward some idea you may have of divine energy. At the same time, your tailbone is rooting into your idea of earth energy. This is your seat. Palms can be face down on your legs for grounding. Gaze can be soft four to six feet in front of you, or if you feel like closing them, close them. So this practice that I'm, I'm asking you to do today is their scans. We're gonna go through a few different scans. The first one will be representative of that first kosha of Anamaya. So from the groundedness of your feet, whether firmly on the ground or folded in front of you, just take a few moments to do a physical body scan from your toes to the top of your head. And as you rise up the body with your awareness, pause in those physical places. We're only talking physical sensation. So maybe you have a sensation in your knee or your hip, in a muscle in your quadriceps or your hamstrings, maybe in your gluteus maximus, gluteus minimus. <laughs> okay, your butt. Maybe you have a sensation in the low back. And maybe if you feel that you're rounding, if your pelvis is, is curling under you, to give a little curve in the low back to feel yourself lift a little bit more. Noticing that you also have a back body. This front body that we see is often what gets the most attention. So take the time to feel that rising awareness of your physical body in a three-dimensional way. Maybe the awareness of the body, maybe there's something inside that you feel sensation. Maybe you're hungry, maybe your tummy is growling. So just take that time to scan even as I talk and you can always do this later. And once you get to the top of your head, you keep your posture, keep your seat, but exhale. <laughs> Hopefully you've had a few exhales on the way up, but if you found you've held your breath, let it go. Exhale. And now we're going to go from the top all the way down. And this time you're going to do a scan, but a scan of your energy in the body. A scan of, are, are you just, are you feeling vibrations inside? Are you feeling your breath is shallow or is it deep? Can you sense your heart rate? 
What is it that you feel energetically in your body? Are you tired? Are you feeling like, oh man, I just want to get out of my seat. I can't sit here anymore. You know, some of these energetic experiences may also blend with thought. Know that everything, every sensation has a narrative. So don't let that derail you. And as you feel that energy and awareness moving down the body, notice how even just the direction of your awareness moving down your physical body to sense energetic sensation, if you can begin to feel even more grounded, the direction we're going. And then once you get either to your feet or to your seat, when you feel complete in this scan, we're just doing one more. And that's for your thoughts. So you can scan as you sit in relative stillness, in relative silence. We begin to notice, we talked about patterns, being a witness. How do we witness our own patterns? We get still. We have intention. We intend to notice. So we sit in this relative silence and stillness, and we notice what arises. Notice if you are thinking the same thoughts you've been thinking for years in the same language. Sometimes there's a, a feeling that's associated with a thought that creates an energy that then creates a physical sensation. This is what the layers do. They interact and then they arrive in some on some layer of your body. So to be able to be aware of that. So what do you do once you notice a pattern? If you notice the language is part of the pattern, Maybe start by changing the language. Maybe the pattern of thinking is, what is the pattern of thinking? Pattern of thinking is that I am not a morning person. I've never been a morning person. I have my coffee at 1030 in the morning. I get out of bed at 930 and whatever. I'm not a morning person. And then one day I'm called to get up early. I have to get up early because I've got to get my kid to, to an appointment. So I get up early and I go, oh my gosh, I can be a morning person. So even when I'm not called to get up early to do something that has to be done, I can look at that pattern of the way I think of myself and I can say, you know what? I am neither a morning person nor a late night person. I'm just a person. I can change that pattern without giving the restriction. So when you feel your scans are done for this purpose, just take a deep breath in and let your exhale out on sound. Let it out with a sigh <sighs> and let all of that shit go. Like these are just practices. They're not perfect. I love that. <laughs> They're practices, not perfect. <laughs> what a great lead in. Thank you. Wow. I loved the different experiences of each of the scans especially when we got subtle, like the setting up of the seat and really getting connected to Anamaya, to my physical body. But I have to say the one that I resonated with most today in this moment um, was the energy, the pulsing inside. For whatever my practice is today, it was easier for me to come inside than to really stay focused on that physical body. So thank you. That's such a gift. Welcome and wow. <laughs> uh, today, the practice that I'm sharing, you know, I think it might be difficult. Becoming a self-observer 
and an observer of our patterns, I find it challenging. Um, and I think that is sometimes ha has been in the past my stumbling block for thinking I was meditating right or <laughs> that I was aware enough because becoming so focused on being able to notice my thoughts uh, were sometimes frustrating. I would sit and then I would think, oh, I'm just trying to focus on my breath and all I do is keep thinking and then I'm in a story after the because and you know, then maybe fall into a pattern of thinking, I'm not even any good at this. There was just so much that was intertwined with my belief of what this mindful meditation moment was supposed to look like, how this supposed to, and what I should be doing. So we think all the time, this is what I think, there's little awareness of my thoughts, and maybe you feel the same way. We're, the brain is constantly thinking, it's its job to offer thoughts for our consideration for us to see and look at and decide what this thought is and what do we feel about it. And the brain will continuously offer those thoughts until we find the one we're going to engage in. And then it's like, yes, here we go. Here's the conversation. Um, instead of this flow, now we have, well, now we can, now we can get going. We've got the conversation started. So you know, so there's these patterns of thought, which when I was thinking about that, I kind of had to laugh at myself, right? That I would say, oh, there's a pattern. And I don't even know this pattern is happening, which is clearly the definition of a pattern. It kind of runs in the background, that executive functioning, that we have these patterns of thought and what we think about, what goes through our minds. Like for me, some days, it's like my whole screen is filled with thousands of apple spinny balls, all of these different thoughts coming in at the same time. And they're trying to link, they're trying to coordinate, collect enough data to stop spinning and actually have the conversation <laughs> in my mind and my thoughts. So I'm going to ask you to tap into your senses. And if you've taken your seat and you're still in your seat from, you know, Sherry's beautiful scans, Hold on to that seat if it feels comfortable. But if you're driving or making dinner, maybe you're out for a walk when you listen, let's tap into our senses together. So wherever you are and whatever you're doing, what do you see? And maybe you've chosen to stay in that seat and close the eyes, or they're open in another activity. But let's stay connected and notice what we see. Be aware of the sense of taste. You can notice how you feel, right? The sense of touch. What's the body touching? What's touching you? Either in physical or maybe an emotional touch. And besides my voice, what do you hear? Stay connected. Be aware of all of your senses. And whether you're in a seat or in an activity, stay connected to that activity or to the mindful stillness. And I'm going to invite you to stay with me because I'm going to break all podcast rules. 
and ask you to take some mindful breaths, maybe as much as 30 seconds to observe your response and reactions. Stay connected and notice when you expect to hear, to listen. Take a moment to observe your thoughts, reaction and response to an unexpected silence. really love to hear your response. I'd love to hear your story about what came up, whether is it easy or hard to watch your own thoughts? Did they drift off? I'd love to hear that story. So I'm going to invite you to maybe send an email to anecdotalanatomy at gmail.com and share your story. We would love to have an episode or maybe a part of each season um, reading your stories, how you're interacting with this information that we're sharing, the different practices that we have. Um, how are they landing and what do you feel? It's important to us to hear your story as part of this casual conversation. And we'd love to be able to share it with the listeners. Sometimes gaining wisdom is hard and it's uncomfortable, right? Seeing our patterns <laughs> can be really uncomfortable. And it reminds me of a lotus. We might have to walk through the mud for a while when we're playing with our patterns. Like the lotus sits at the bottom of the murky waters right? It's roots, it's not its roots. Yes, it's roots and it's seed resting in the mud, just waiting for that glimmer of light. And when the days start getting longer, uh, which is going to start happening tomorrow, right? <laughs> when the days get longer and the sun starts shining, it takes this journey that takes a long time from the bottom of the lake as it winds up through the water and all of its leaves emerge and the flower opens. So although the radio silence does bring up that discomfort, so does walking through your patterns, mm -hmm. right? S taking the moment to notice them and to build this self-awareness and then to intentionally decide, I love that pattern. It is such a great part of who I am and what, how I wanna show up in the world. Or and then it ceases to be a pattern, though, because pattern, if patterns are habits and we yeah. notice them and then re-choose to keep them in our lives, we choose to look at it and say, I love you. I fucking love you, which is how I'd really want to end every podcast, but we won't go there now. But then we get to see it and almost renew it. It's no longer a pattern. It becomes a choice. It may become a pattern in a few days. It may re um, revert back to the way it was as a pattern, but that just gives us the opportunity to renew it again. And, to, or to say, you know what? Two renewals was enough. I, I'm done. <laughs> you know, I'm moving on. New patterns. <laughs> yes. New so executing functioning, it takes time. It takes focus. It takes awareness and a willingness to be our own witness. Yeah. Well, thank you for joining us for another episode of 
anecdotal anatomy. And like Teresa said, we really want to hear your stories. We want more than anything to create a community where we are always connecting the dots between the individual and the universal. And the more individual stories that we can hear and share, the more we're able to see and tap into that universal energy and to see that none of us is alone. You know, we are alone and we're not, you know, there's that whole conundrum that we, we talk about. We're separate, but we're not separate. We're all of these things. <laughs> um, and at this level, we get to peel away. We get to see the illusory part of our ego and that separateness that we cling to, because if we're one, then we have to behave in a certain way. If we're separate, we get a, we get a pass. You know, this is the kosha that we get to say, you know what? Ego and separateness, just a fucking illusion. We are now moving into the final sheath, the core of our being, our bliss body. What? We have a bliss body? The bliss body, or Anandamaya Kosha, is where we see who we are in our truest form. It's a reminder that we are all connected and not separate from the natural world. We are the natural world. If living in bliss is an intriguing and provocative notion, join us for the conversation. Please help us grow. Like, follow, rate, and subscribe. You can find Anecdotal Anatomy on your podcast platform of choice, including Spotify and Apple Music. Our mission is to create community and connect through our individual and collective stories. Share your stories, questions, and musings on our Facebook and Instagram under Anecdotal Anatomy. Original music composed and performed by Keith Kenny. Episodes produced and edited by Judith George. We're shouting out again to our photographer friend, Cindy Fatsis, whose eye and talent are also part of our story. We are your hosts for Anecdotal Anatomy. She is Teresa Tobin Macy. She is Sherry Sadoff-Hank. See you next time. See you next time.